Look, I once killed the Phantom. Join the club. Many of us have killed him over the years. He keeps coming back. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. They're frequently dumb, but they're sometimes astute. They're always emphatic on a degree absolute. They're breaking the prisoner right down to the root. That whole TV show on a degree absolute. If you like lava lamps and weather balloons and whack ass inflections from Patrick McGoon, Chris and Glenn made a podcast especially It's a degree absolute. Glenn. Chris. Uh, before we begin, I'd just like to get your professional opinion about something under this microscope. <laughs> I won't fall for that. I am too smart to fall for that. I'm the head of the city library or something. I think it's the, the library of the World Museum. It's different. It's a city Something library. In no, it's a city library. The World Museum is a whole different thing. Because we can't use any actual New York, because they're clearly trademark. We also can't call the Bermuda Triangle the Bermuda Triangle. We have to call it the Devil's Vortex because it's, I don't know why. Because the Bermuda Triangle is copyright? It's copyright. They, they, it's a famously, geographic location. Famously litigious is the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> yeah, God, if we say the name a third time, <laughs> we're going to owe somebody a licensing fee. Mm. I mean, you think when he says, go look in the microscope, that he's going to come out with those raccoon eyes. Oh, no. But no, it yeah. just gets disocularized or whatever the term might be. And that is a fairly gruesome mm-hmm. death for this PG-rated... Uh... No, it's clearly not a death because he just gets blinded because then uh, Treat, who is quite the treat in this film, yes. uh, basically says, no, he won't be needing these anymore, his glasses. So he's going to still be you know, around. He's just we going to have the been... Guy assaulted and screamed. Well, whether he's blinded or killed depends on how long those spikes going into his eyes out of the microscope lenses are, right? Oh, we saw. We, the, there was foreshadowing. Anyway, we'll get to this, but like there is foreshadowing on exactly how much those spiky spikes go into. There are actually more razor blades, I would say. Yeah, but, but what if what if it's adjustable? That's what I'm saying, Glenn. Oh, like, what, what if, uh, <laughs> what if you can set the, the depth of ocular penetration depending on how much you hate the the guy from the city library <laughs> yeah. depends on how much he lies to you god i will give it up for an original villain entirely off screen entirely off screen though well again pg rated film mm-hmm. but we've never seen blofeld or or any of the guys who for legal reasons could not be referred to as blofeld there's a shark tank a few times there's piranhas there's snakes but nobody thinks of the old just take a look at this microscope gag Mm -hmm. (laughs) glenn there's an old jungle saying ah see i was hoping this would come up (laughs) just take a look at this microscope all right well before we get down to business i want to say since i've brought up bond villains inevitably once again already is uh one thing i wish i had been sharp enough to catch when we were on the horn with the great the brilliant the hilarious Alexandra Petri last week Mm -hmm. discussing Scanners is that when she went to pull a Bond villain, the name she came up with was Stromberg. Now, Carl Stromberg is indeed the, uh, is played by Kurt Juergens. He is indeed the villain of The Spy Who Loved Me. 
wanted to exterminate humankind and start over under the sea. Mm-hmm. Things are much better down where it's wetter is right. the philosophy of, of Stromberg. Take it from me. All right, Stromberg, you've made your point. How much do you want? How much? Whatever do you mean, Mr. Bond? The price for not firing those nuclear missiles. You're deluded, Mr. Bond. I'm not interested in extortion. I intend to change the face of history. By destroying the world? By creating a world. A new and beautiful world beneath the sea. Steven Stromberg, editorial writer for the Washington Post, is Mr. Alexander Petra. <laughs> so, oh, see. I oh, like okay. that she reached for a Bond villain and she came up with the one who shares the name of her spouse. Yes, this would be like me reaching for a famous literary character and saying Faust. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Exactly Marlowe's, uh, what's, a, what's a good mm-hmm. Christopher Marlowe, mm-hmm. Kit Marlowe joint? Mm-hmm. So have we mentioned the Phantom yet? Have we spoken those words? The Phantom Menace, the Phantom Thread, the Phantom Tollbooth, Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom uh, of the Opera, Chris, come on. Sure, come right. On. Uh-huh. It's right there. It's the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. Literally. When it was finally filmed, it was made by one of this Phantom's um, prospective directors, someone who briefly attached to the, the project, a one-time costume designer, Joel Schumacher. Yep. Was, it, was he costume designer? I think I, he, I, he was, like he started his career as a window dresser. I think he started his career as a window dresser, yeah. It all makes sense if you think about it for even a second. Right. The guy who looked at, at the Phantom of the Opera and said, you know, the only thing that's wrong with this is that the Phantom is kind of ugly. Like he has some <laughs> facial scarring requiring him to wear half a mask. And uh, what if we just made him totally hot and jacked? Mm-hmm. That was his innovation. It. Never actually seen it? I haven't either, Glenn, but uh, <laughs> Joel put his stamp on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're, we're talking about the, the Phantom full stop. Here. The Phantom full stop. And uh, based on the Lee Falk comic strip that predates Batman by, you know, a, a chunk of change... Now, this film, we should caution listeners, has a very tangential relationship to the Magoon Uber because I think this might be the least amount of Magoon content per like per capita, right? Is this is there anything we've talked about have less Magoon in it? No. Well, uh, ec- except for the the prisoner episode, "Do Not Forsake Me on My Dark." Okay. Okay. So that's <laughs> but, if that's uh, your bar. We clear that bar. You know what? That might have more Magoon content. It might, in it. When actually. you figure in the voiceover, when you're figuring the, the, the mm-hmm. first person, da-da-da-dee, oh, car <laughs> servicing <laughs> appointment, oh, dentist, no, got to cancel that. Got uh, to cancel hope, that. Oh, hope I Janet hope she likes, likes her, her present. present. Yep. You know, he is in this film, The Phantom, for three scenes, yep. uh, playing a ghost, mm-hmm. playing uh, Daddy Phantom, King Hamlet. But he does open and close the film with his voice, Glenn. It's true. It's true. The first I thing we hear. wondered if the Phantom, one of the things about the Phantom, because he is a legacy hero, It's the title is passed on from father uh-huh. to son, um, and briefly, apparently, uh, in canon uh, to the daughter, to a daughter briefly, but it is passed on along the family line, if there's something about, mystical about the ring mm-hmm. that makes you able to commune with your, the spirits of your father but maybe i I don't think that's in there i don't think that's in the mix i think it's just he's supposed to be either uh, a ghost or schizophrenic i think that's pretty much the deal so i I do realize that lee falk created this character in the 30s early 30s 34 35 somewhere in there had a 30-year head start 
on the other hero I'm going to mention, but I still just want to call this White Panther. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we'll get into this, but this is very... uh, This this film struck me as 66 Batman in the best way in many cases, at least in um, the central performance. I think we get some of that there. I don't think the film knows its tone, and I think it tries a bunch of... Throws a bunch of shit at the wall, but... uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I and again, this is this is all based in the script. The original uh, conceiving of the script was as a parody, and then they decided to play it straight. Yeah, and I think you can feel that in the kind of wibbly wobbliness of this particular film. I agree. I mean, I still found it charming, uh, guileless. It didn't hold my attention super well. I mean, I kept drifting kind of in and out of it. I don't think it's as successful as The Rocketeer, for example, from mm-hmm. 1991, five years before this, another period superhero. And so the piece of The Shadow, it's, it kind of feels like the the Alec Baldwin shadow. I have never seen the 94 shadow and that mm-hmm. with, with Alec Baldwin, and that, that I cannot explain because I, I generally like these kinds of, of period pulp hero, superhero kinds of things. I, I, and I mean, The Rocketeer is a comic from the 80s. You know, of course, yeah. that, was an, that was an intentionally kind of anachronistic pastiche of uh, 30s adventure. Um, I think that movie is very good. The one thing all these, these three movies had in common is they all kind of flop. Yeah. Hard sell. Because um, people are not clamoring for 1930s properties, even if they're not no, actually 1930s uh, properties. Right. In the same Except way that one Batman. of <laughs> One of the lowest, maybe the lowest grossing of the, the Marvel films is Captain America, the first Avenger, which I think is one of the best. I think it's one of the best, too. Way up there, like top five. Is there another single moment from the Marvel? The, I just listened to your uh, PCHH on What If, and I think you gave the total as 23 films. I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, no. It, the, what If is drawing from 23 films. I think there have been 25 oh, now. right, because fourth, some of them the are not, as you explained. Phase. Yes, right. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> boy, some real boundary preservation mm-hmm. here but however many films that's drawing from when i just want a nice little pithy encapsulation of everything that a hero is supposed to be and the kind of courage and integrity that heroes are supposed to inspire in real people that scene in the first avenger when skinny steve rogers throws himself on top of the grenade yep is this a test so good mm-hmm. right yep. so good nope that's the encapsulation of it is there another 20 seconds in another Marvel movie as perfect as that? I'm not sure there is. No, I agree with you. We are on the same page. I, I, one of the things that I really liked about this film is this conceit that the Phantom only shoots to disarm. He's got two guns by his side. And this is from the comics. This is from the strip. Mm-hmm. Like he, on, he will only shoot to disarm. Um, but we really should start to welcome the listeners. In, I suppose. We? I suppose. Why are we talking about? That's a very good question. About the Phantom, the one hundredth highest grossing film of uh, of its year <laughs> of release, nineteen ninety six. Magoon was also in the. This is also the same year that he is in the A Time to Kill, which was number eight, Glenn. So he okay. was in the eighth highest grossing and the C note. Bringing up the rear. How old is he? I have my notes, but how old is he in this film? 69, well, 68? born in 28. They're probably, they're shooting this in late 95. So he's 67, right? That would make him 67. I mean, he mm-hmm. looks about 95. He does not look good. He, he looks uh, like Emperor he's Palpatine. 68 years, he's 68 years old when this film comes out. But okay. I mean, the booze, booze does something to you, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I also think that they were not trying to make him handsome. <laughs> it's true. 
in this film. Um, and anyway, the reason we're talking about it is that in 1966, Patrick McGowan started the long-running TV spy series. Danger Man resigned at the height of the show's popularity to create a new series about a spy who resigns from government service and wakes up in a mysterious, inescapable village where each resident is referred to, well, many residents, some residents, lots of residents referred to only by their numbers, surreal and provocative, silly and pretentious, ahead of its time, and innately and unambiguously, lob it lampedly of its time, that short-lived, long-tailed series was called The Prisoner. It was. In 1996. Uh-huh. Feature film adaptation of cartoonist and theater director Lee Falk. We're going to have to talk about Lee Falk's surprisingly hefty theatrical credits, Glenn, because I knew nothing about this. Nor did I. Dude was directing Marlon Brando in plays. Huh. Yes. Huh. Cartoonist and theater director Lee Falk's popular 1930s comic strip, The Phantom. Uh, I interrupted my rhythm. In 1996, a feature film adaptation of cartoonist and theater director Lee Falk's popular 1930s comic strip, The Phantom, that had first been proposed by Sergio Leone many years before, finally hit theaters with Billy Zane in the purple tights and domino mask and Patty McGee in a small but memorable role as the hereditary hero's paterfamilias, earnest and nostalgic, colorful and crowd-pleasing, very small crowd based on box office <laughs> returns, say, but I, I, mean, I expect yes. that it pleased them. It's either a small crowd or they were not very pleased, but one of those two things is true. Supposedly it's done well on video. Mm-hmm. That two-fisted swashbuckling summer would-be blockbuster was called The Phantom. Just take a look around. Darkness rules the earth. In a dangerous world. Governments crumble. Chaos reigns. In a treacherous time. There is opportunity in chaos. Evil is a fact. We shall succeed where they have failed. Drax is on a quest for a supernatural power. They know far too much. And courage. Stop them. You're the only one who can. Is a phantom. I'm so glad you busted out the term swashbuckling because... Buckles are swashed. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're swinging from ropes. They're yep. they've got cutlasses. They're got you know cutlasses. they're doing doing the thing where you grab the rope and then cut the other side of the rope and the pulley yep. makes you go flying. Yeah, that happens yep. a few times in this. Happens a few times as well as within an elevator shaft. <laughs> so I mean like there's it's 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 committed to its bit. There are some who say he is only a myth. Soon they will discover the Phantom is real. I was not alive when uh, when Ice Station Zebra came out. I mm-hmm. was alive when Escape from Alcatraz and Scanners came out, but I was not really making my own media dietary mm-hmm. decisions those uh, nascent years of me. But in 1996, Glenn... I had a, an hourly wage paying job at a hardware store. I had a driver's license and I was going to movies. I was making decisions about what to see, how to spend my money, which tickets to buy. And, and this summer I saw The Rock. Mm-hmm. Welcome to The Rock. I saw Independence Day a couple times. I'm not proud of this, but I, I did. Uh, I saw Tin Cup. Ron Shelton's uh, not not quite as uh, beloved as Bull Durham, but uh, his yeah. his re- reunion with Kevin Costner for another sports movie mm. about fucking golf. Golf. Uh, what, uh, what else this summer? Oh, Eraser. That's the uh, that's the Schwarzenegger joint where he shoots a crocodile and says, "Your luggage." Okay, uh, I, I, this this is your opening new worlds to me. I've never heard of it. Okay, not ahead. the Phantom, Glenn. I didn't no. see the Phantom in 1996. I saw the Phantom for the first time last night and this afternoon because I watched this 100 minute <laughs> film into 
installments. I saw the Phantom in the theaters, Chris. I was a toe-headed boy. I think I was still. Yeah, I was. Was were you in nineties? I'm, I'm just trusting you to tell the truth. You're on the I was, honor system I was here. Attending the Iowa Writers Workshop, I found somebody who wasn't going to be a disdainful fuck, and we we went to see it together. And um, I remember thinking it wasn't good, but I also remember thinking. Well, Billy Zane in the in tights. Um, there, there's a scene where he um, uh, smothers somebody with his thighs and his butt, and I was like, okay, I'm in for this. This is a, uh, this is all I want from a superhero film. Yeah, this 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 is the year after the first Schumacher Batman. So superhero costumes are evolving. This right. very consciously sticks to the the spandex, sticks to the. I mean, this it demands a lot of Billy Zane. Like it this is, is a very revealing costume, and that it's, is hugely important because the Phantom was the first superhero to have the skin tight costume. Um, he predates Superman. He predates Batman in the skin tightness of it, because you know okay. everybody else the the Shadow, the Crimson Avenger, they're all flowing robes. Oh, he no, was the shadows and like a cloaked and you know he's invisible. Yeah, yeah. He could that that guy could have a giant gut. Does it know. make any sense in the humidity of the what's in the, in the oh. strip, the African jungle? And here it's no, kind of, no, it doesn't make any sense at all. But it looks great, and a, and a grateful subsequent generations of gay gay boys are like, yep, thank you for this. This is why we love superhero. I like the costume, and yes, I will say uh, my my estimation of Billy Zane came up a little bit. Now looking at his yeah. filmography, I just have not seen very. I mean, the first thing I think of is Titanic, and I think he's lousy in Titanic. Uh huh. But you have to see Dead Calm. Have you seen Dead Calm? I have not seen oh, Dead Calm. Which nice. I I know that that launched uh, Nicole Kidman. It launched Philip Noyce, who has gone on Noyce, who has gone Noyce. on to become uh, like. I mean, Philip Noyce could just as easily have directed this movie. Actually, another movie I saw in the summer of 96, Glenn, was Clear and Present Danger, the second of the two Philip Noyce-directed Jack Ryan, you know, Harrison Ford taking over for Alec Baldwin. So my point is simply that he was became one of those studio guys for 12 or 15 years. If you had a movie of a certain budget with certain audience expectations, yeah, sure, get him. You know, competent, mm-hmm. not no tour, but uh, a right. competent journeyman director. But Billy Zane had an incredible body in Deadcom, a skinny but incredible body in Deadcom. And here it's it's beefed up significantly. But this is way before what you've written about, what many people have written about, this, this sterilization of the male form in the superhero movie. But it is, you, have, you see the seeds of it planted here. Like, right. the, like the scene where we see him at repose scanning uh, the documents in the archive and he's shirtless and looks great. Um, and and, and where this... where is where is the scene taking place, Glenn? In the archives, in the Phantom archives, in the Skull Cave. In the Skull Cave. Thank yeah. you. That's yeah. what I was looking yeah. for. Skull Cave. Skull yeah. Cave. Yeah. Which is not really a great secret hideout because it's, it's a <laughs> skull that looks like a cave. It's a cave that looks like a skull. It's, it's, it's not. It's not concealment. Is no. The, uh, no. I mean, unless your idea is that people will just be frightened out of any thought of trespassing, but he seems to be on entirely friendly terms with the. Uh, well, I can't really say the natives of Bengala because he's a native of Bengala. His family has centuries of. Uh, I mean, this what's is the word I'm looking for here. This is one of the things. This is one of the reasons I like that we get away from Bengala so quickly <laughs> and into New York City because there is so you know, much. You don't want to deal with those questions. <laughs> there is so much white savior stuff going on in this, like generations of white savior stuff. Which, of course, it is because it was, you know, 1934, 1935, whenever it is. But like, oofta, oofta, oofta. Yeah. This is this is the thing, like the white guy in the jungle, Tarzan, Buena Beast, yep. uh, Congorilla. It's like this is a thing that we keep doing, and oofta, oofta, oofta. It's not it's not a great look. 
Uh, speaking of things that we keep doing in Ufta, Ufta, Ufta. Uh, before we continue, Glenn, I, I want to... Okay, let's get past this. I want to welcome you mm. and everyone yeah. to the private, personal, by hand, tangent-tolerant, properly punctuated, mm. punch-card-driven podcast where we take this unclassifiable and unforgettable television series, The Prisoner, and tenuously related products Tenuously. And? Yeah. We push it, like we're hand-propping the engine of a Grumman G164 C-Cat biplane as featured in a major stunt sequence in the 1996 would-be summer blockbuster, The Phantom. They, they p- push the plane? Is that what you're saying? You the push end, the propeller. They, You've they seen this in movies propeller. where okay. the okay. person okay. has to push the propeller and then try not to get their hands chopped do off. Do we see it in this movie, Chris? Is that a thing No, they don't do it in this movie, but I'm saying we right, push okay, it as though it. we were, again... In the presence of a Grumman G164 C-Cat. No, the specificity I recognize, but the fact that it didn't actually happen in this movie takes a point off, so I'm going to give it a five. Five out of six. We stamp it like a visa to travel to the mysterious African nation of Bangala. No, it's not an African nation. It's an island nation. In the comics, it's African nation um, and in the strip, but uh, here it's an island, clearly. Uh, So I'm going to take off a point for not actually seeing a stamp. In the movie, and another stamp for not being African. So that's a four out of six for me, Chris. It's not African? It's not African. What nope. continent is Bengala part of? It's an island. It's a mysterious jungle island. It's right there in the in the exposition <laughs> that takes place in the in the opening okay. minute of this film, an which goes by that is not part of quick. any continent. He doesn't... No, nope, nope. Okay, I think I was conflating the language of the voiceover with the... Probably the the Phantom Wikipedia page. They just um, they just say the word jungle okay. over and over again. As if that's a, that, right. if that's a continent, but no, it's, Glenn, it's an island. Yep. We file it like a World Tribune expose on the nefarious manipulation of public utilities by prominent businessman Xander Drax. Xander uh, Drax is a great name. It's what I want to name every dog I ever have. It's it's so good because it begins and ends with an X, just like all my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm going to say, it's, I'm going to take a point off because it didn't actually, we didn't actually see it happen in the movie. If we had seen it happen in the movie, dude, amazing. But here, five out of six. We hear them talk about it. We actually hear uh, we Bill Smithovich filing. If he'd gone with the city library thing. It, the publisher it of the World Tribune, who I recognized from his uh, days as a regular on Crime Story. There's lots of that guys in this movie, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. He refuses to shake hands with Xander Drax at the World Tribune charity dinner or whatever, and yep. Drax says, your reporters are snooping into my personal affairs and I don't understand, and he says, you will once you read our story. Sure, it's not, but... The word file doesn't come up if they did. Wait, so we actually have to have a scene of someone ripping a sheet of paper out of a typewriter and going, copy! No, okay, well, that would work. But I, I'm saying somebody has to be at a, at, a, at a filing cabinet or doing something or going tick, 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 tick. That, that's filing. That's what filing Glenn, is. You, you, are, you are being tediously literal. I mean, that's... Ungenerous. Birds got to swim. Fish got to fly. You know what, Glenn? We index it. Like, it's... The section of the, in the back of the NPR podcast guide, how to win fucking friends and influence podcasts or whatever the hell, one refers to when seeking guidance on how to remove the unwanted low frequencies present in a podcast guest's audio track on account of their charming but damaging habit of enthusiastically gesticulating with their Yeti Snowball USB microphone when speaking, only to find that it's not in the book. Won't book. be in the book, not Chris, because it's a really basic fucking book. introduction to how to podcast. It's not going to be everything to you. It's not going to be tailored to your specific needs. All right, zero out of six. <laughs> we brief it 
like a venerable Queensborn, Ireland-reared, but still somehow English, actor delivering a surprising voiceover at the very beginning of a self-consciously anachronistic would-be summer blockbuster explaining that it all began a very long time ago. Okay. Uh, for those of you who came in late. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give this a 10 out of 6 because... <laughs> <laughs> that introduction is not just brief, as we will discuss. It is uh, it is so quick. <laughs> it is there, it is so brief and so dense with proper nouns that it is hard to believe. So yes, ten out of six for that. Uh, we debrief it mm. like a venerable Queensborn Ireland reared, still somehow English actor delivering a postscript to a self consciously anachronistic would be summer blockbuster, explaining that even though the blockbuster's two romantic leads are clearly shown to be parting at the end, she knew her own mind and resolved to return to him as soon as possible. It feels like maybe they they read some audience response cards there or or, or something. I, I don't or know. they just established the canon of the character, and that's that's who he marries and has the next Phantom with. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, you're coasting on the pre- previous one. Uh, you kind of misunderstand the canon. Four to six. <laughs> you know who doesn't misunderstand the canon in this movie, Glenn, is, uh, I don't know the name of the actor, but he's Richie Aprile on The Sopranos uh, a mm-hmm. few years after this. And, mm-hmm. uh, no, he, he gets the canon explained oh, in yeah. the most oh, yeah. possible way. Oh, it's awesome. Uh... I have a few here. Okay. This is, this is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. We, we number it like the many, many, many sequels spawned by the uh, 1996 Boffo box office blockbuster. Oh, boy. The, the, oh okay. boy. We number it like the address, One Skull Cave, Bangala. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Keep, uh, keep them coming. We number it. Like the spouses of legendary film producer and one-time Paramount Pictures chief Robert Evans, whose credits as get either studio chief or producer, Glenn, include yep. Rosemary's Baby, The Godfather, Chinatown, Harold and Maude, The Italian Job. I mean, the, the you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off Italian Job, the real original Italian Job, of course. And some years after all those films, The Phantom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his, this, this was his, let's say, his, uh, uh, he, he waxed. He also waned. This was uh-huh. his waning years. But yes, that's absolutely true. Seven. S- seven what? That's the number of women to whom oh, Robert okay. Evans was married at uh, various Well, then life. let's take one point off for it not being exactly germane to six. We'll call that a six out of six. Thank you. All right. So uh, what do we got here, Glenn? We got, we got not enough McGowan, but I didn't mind it because I kind of liked this movie. Um, I kind of did, too. It's a, it's a nice movie. It's a nice little movie, right? I, l- I like the money that was on screen. I like the practical effects. I like the stunts. Yes. There were some stunts here that were actually With stunted. real airplanes. And, ho- like, Billy Zane actually had to learn to fucking ride a horse. And, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, that's yeah. good stuff. That's good stuff. I like uh, Billy Zane kind of putting his hands on his hips, and the fact that he puts his hands on his hips is what clues Diana in that he's the Phantom. I like mm. that kind of bullshit. Yeah. I, I, I like the fact, I mean, call me basic, but I like the fact that he doesn't, he uses these giant uh, revolvers, uh, which you probably know the make and model of. But it's I, semi-automatic, Glenn. They're not revolvers. Yeah. Okay, whatever. In fact, there's one scene when he draws to fire and the guns are dry, which semi-automatics, they lock in the open position, Glenn. So there's no, you, you can tell by looking at them that they're empty if you've just been firing them. There's no like, oh, I ran out. With a revolver, you genuinely can't tell unless you Fine. were counting shots. But a semi-auto, you just look at it and you see that the slide stayed back, which means there's no more ammo in the magazine. I... Anyway. 
I my eyes just glazed over. So know, the um, the the fact that he's also at the climax of the film when he goes to the Pirates of the Caribbean cave and he he, he swims through the water and then he takes out the guns and the guns are fine and perfect. No, nope, yep. that's not a thing, right? That can't mm-hmm. possibly be a thing. I think it depends on the. I, I mean, these uh, you know, nineteen thirties uh, Colt forty five. Probably you don't want to submerge them in water. Glazing, I would guess. Glazing. But, uh, glazing. Yep. 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 All right, so this film came out in 1995. It begins... 96, 96. Are you sure? We've established... Oh, Glenn. Okay, all right. All right, this, this film came out in 1996. There is some quick, like a bunny exposition that, as we've mentioned, is filled with so many proper nouns. It begins with, for those who came in late, and Patty McGee's narration. It all began a very long time ago, when a merchant ship was set upon by pirates of the Seng Brotherhood. A small boy watched helplessly as his father was killed by the pirate leader, the evil Kabai Seng. He jumped overboard and was washed ashore on a mysterious jungle island called Bengala. It seemed like a case of out of the frying pan and into the fire, but the Tuganda tribesmen meant the boy no harm. They scooped him up and carried him to their village. And that night, in an ancient ceremony of fire and drums, the tribal shaman presented the boy with a ring of great significance. Then and there, the boy understood that he was destined to avenge his so father's death. So basically what we learn is that a small boy's father's ship was set about by pirates of the... Let's keep let's keep track of the proper nouns. Ding! Seng Brotherhood. His father killed mm-hmm, was by mm-hmm. his father was killed by the pirate leader Kabai Seng. Ding! He washes ashore on the jungle island, Chris, the jungle island of Bengala. Ding! Where he's welcomed by the indigenous people, the Kuntungunga tribesmen. Ding! They give him a ring out of nothing. <laughs> sure. Why would they not? Uh, to, to avenge his father's death and fight piracy, greed, and cruelty in all their forms, this took one minute. That is four proper nouns in 60 seconds. Yeah. Now, um, this ring, like, I will tell you, I, I read the Phantom Strip, which were just recycles of the, the old Phantom Strip over and over again. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure in the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer as a young tot. And what I loved most about it was, yes, the skin-tight costume, I'm... I, uh, I got to be me. But I also loved the rings, this notion of the rings. The Phantom has two rings, one on his right hand with a skull on it, which when he hits you with it, marks you with a skull scar that marks you as someone who is to be avoided, to be, um, it, it's the mark of Cain, uh, basically. Right. Um, which he we also, see uh, henchman James Remar has the ring mark on his cheek. And uh, then he gets another one. Film. He gets another yeah. one slightly lower. It's very cool. And that, and it's never discussed in this film, which kind of makes me like it even more because yeah. it's there yeah. in the lore if you want it. But it's the thing I, I always loved. That was my favorite thing about the lore of the Phantom growing up. But also he has on his uh, left hand a ring with a P on it that he marks you not on your face. He doesn't hit you <laughs> to mark you. Right. But that is a mark to say you are protected by the Phantom and to, for people to know that you are one of the good guys. Um, and I don't know and, where and I can't you can really... show that by this permanent scar that he has put on your face for I don't you. know. I mean, like, don't think about it too long. <laughs> is it long. a consensual? Like, uh, do do the people... I mean, it's kind of got to be right. Opt like, in to the... I would imagine you put it on your on your, <laughs> your up, your inner wrist, maybe, or I don't know exactly where you put it, but it's someplace where you can display it and say, I am I am protected by the... Okay. It's a P. It's a giant 
P that he kind of yeah. marks you with. And and you see in this film, he's got rings on the the, uh, the middle fingers of both his hands, but you right. never, like, you see the one on his right hand that because that's the whole ad copy of the film is like him like punching his ring into the into the into on the poster the, did you see the the tagline on the poster glenn tagline i want you to tell me the tagline because i so didn't believe good. it didn't believe it's it so good so good slam evil <laughs> it's the best it's, it's great but i mean you expect a movie that's starring some popular wrestler or something right yeah uh, yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's it's great six out of six for slam evil it's it's basically it's a mission statement, right? It's basically <laughs> it's it's words to live by. All right, so we cut to the Bengala jungle in 1938. I didn't remember that this film was all period because I remembered it because I, when I saw it, I, I kind of liked it, but I remember it like I thought there was like, oh, this is the legacy. Like right. we're gonna have some time with the uh, 1938 guy, and then we're gonna update it. I forgot that it's all set in uh, 1930, whatever it's called, but like. That costs money. And so there are scenes in mm-hmm. the New York, or maybe it's not New York because everything is... <laughs> everything is. I think they, they were doing Los Angeles for New York, but they really did go to Thailand. So most yeah. of the, the jungle stuff was shot in, in Thailand. This movie would blow Kevin Feige's mind because yeah. they, they do get good production value out of actually going to a real jungle to yeah. film the jungle. But I mean, like the scenes with all the cars and all the people walking the streets, yeah. it's like this is this is... You spend money on this. So anyway, we cut to the Bengala jungle in 1938. There are two jerks driving a small kid in a truck. Uh, Quill is the James Remar guy. He's Dexter's dad. He's at that guy. He's on Sex in the City, I guess, after this. He's the villain in 48 hours, um, oh. mm-hmm. 15 or so years before this. And in the middle of the 80s, in between these two films, Glenn, he is the first actor cast as Hicks, the Marine Corporal, who is the, oh really the only one in the bunch who has the good sense to, to listen to uh, Nostromo survivor Warrant Officer Ellen Ripley when they're dispatched back 57 years later mm-hmm. to the colony on LV-426, actually shot a week on the movie, Glenn, before he was fired for drug abuse on set. Oh, hey. uh, It is only at this point that producer Gail Ann Hurd calls up Michael Bean back in, in L.A., having just wrapped up a successful collaboration with him on terminator mm-hmm. uh, calls him up on a friday asks if his passport is in order and on monday morning he is on set at pinewood studios in england having taken over the role for james remard i'd like to keep this handy for close encounters i heard that this is a guy to whom i actually wrote a fan letter in 1986 glenn michael bean or james remard Michael Bean. Okay, I was going to say. He's the only Hicks in my mind, but he mm-hmm. was not the first Hicks. They actually had to uh, reshoot. If you're curious, Glenn, it, the, the big scene where half the Marines get killed right away when they go down to the, the power exchangers with where the alien nest is, and then mm-hmm. the aliens come out of the goddamn walls, and they... Yeah, so they had to reshoot a bunch of that because James Remar was in it. Yep. I'm glad you asked me if I was curious because I am not remotely, and I can tell you that. So they make the kid drive across the bridge. The bridge is very uh, Temple of Doom. The bridge is very um, Bridge on the River Kwai. The bridge is very... Yeah, and the Three Skulls also had me thinking of the Three Shankara Stones since we're we're doing uh, Temple of Doom. Well, this dude, this screenwriter, I don't remember his name, but you probably... Jeffrey Bohm. Jeffrey Bohm. Writer of Lethal Weapon 2 and 3. And and he was one of those... 
Right. This is a thing with screenwriters where they are hot for eight to ten years, <laughs> and then they just yep. disappear. I, yep. I think he may have died. I, I think he died young, but um, he did die. Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, yes. yeah, but he was credited as a or an uncredited. He was he was a script doctor and rewrite guy mm-hmm. in this era of great renown. Mm-hmm. So uh, the kid warns them not to go further past the bridge after a kind of whole set piece about will the bridge hold because it's protected by a ghost, the ghost who walks. And this is when I, who had been who grew up, you know, reading the strip, is like, woohoo, yeah. the ghost who walks. Um, yep. Quill then fingers a skull-shaped mark on his cheek, the mark of the phantom, which made me go, hee, 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 hee. <laughs> Again, this was all I wanted as a kid. They leave the kid behind and find a cave observed by a Tuganda Short tribesman. Round. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, this is the, there are corpses in this cave. There are skulls in this cave, including a silver skull with glowing blue eyes. We find out they're working for a Mr. Drax. Um, so not the only Drax to be a supervillain in a movie, to be a, like, you get your Moonraker Drax. Right, And you got right. your other, there must be other Draxes, I think. We can agree that Xander Drax is an upgrade in nomenclature from Hugo Drax. Well, no, I don't know if I can. I think I so. Like you, both, you, I like both I thought you names. liked the... I do, I do, but Hugo's a great name. And a a great Michael Lonsdale performance in Moonraker as well. James Bond, you appear with the tedious inevitability of an unloved season. Sure, that's true. The skeleton comes to life, kills one of the thugs. They loot the cave anyway because they are ballers. There's a lot of valuable junk in here. Take it. Take it all. Nobody's going to miss it. Drums start playing. Uh, It spooks the wildlife. Drums. I know that. What does it mean? Nothing. Don't mean nothing. But hurry up just the same. Which it turns out the drums are not just any drums. They are the phantom signal. They summon the phantom, uh, who is just sitting on his throne, uh, which I like. like. (sighs) Even though he's got a belt that uh, is an inverted triangle, so as you sit down, it's got to dig into your junk. Uh, uh-huh. And I, like this is a thing I never understood because Aquaman has this too. Aquaman has an A on his belt, which means every right. time he sits down, it pokes into. And his he doesn't. Junk. He doesn't have a codpiece, right? There's there's no armor protecting. I think his that's delicate pure bits in this. West. Yeah, I think that's yeah. all. Him. Okay. Devil, somebody needs us. So he summons his wolf devil. He puts on his mask. He puts on his bling ring. I love uh, devil. He uh, 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 boards. Uh, you don't board a horse. What do you do to a horse? I think the first time we see him, he's already got the whole getup on. Like, it's a close-up of his eyes. He's already got the domino mask. I, I think I, I we like see. I think it's like a Schumacher thing where we shoot tight the belt buckle oh, on his okay. uh, gun okay. belt with the inverted triangle with the with the skull on it. But he boards his horse. What do you do to a horse? You, ro- you mount. mount. He mounts his mount. horse. Uh, his his horse's <laughs> name is Hero, um, which is a little on the nose, but, like, I'm not going to complain. It is a white horse, Glenn, which is also... Uh, on the nose. Yep. Uh, the Phantom chases them down. He takes one out. He, the remaining two get in the truck. Uh, then we get this dialogue of like, who is that guy? It's a guy I killed years ago, which will turn out to be important. Uh, he takes another one out, and then he goes after Quill, who we learn has the mark of the Seng Brotherhood on his arm. This will also turn out to be important. Quill takes the skull and ditches the truck, which heads over the bridge with the kid and the Phantom inside. Then the first buckled swash here. The phantom shoots a vine and swings free. And the the truck goes down and just blows up as if it's loaded with C4 or something. I don't know why it blows up quite so much, but it blows up a lot. Have you ever seen the movie Sorcerer? 
Yes, run. of course. Yes. Long okay. time ago. This was the end of William Friedkin's hot run where he had done The French Connection and The Exorcist. And then he made this great remake of The Wages of Fear called Sorcerer with Roy Scheider, a bunch of shady mercs hauling explosives through the desert and this rickety old truck. And if they blink their eyes too fast, it can all go up. Really cool. Really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it came out the same weekend as Star Wars. And uh, mm-hmm. that's all she wrote. Yep. William Friedkin still worked afterwards, but he never quite regained his golden touch that he was perceived to have before Sorcerer. Anyway, that's what I I thought of with that rickety old truck exploding as though it were laden with explosives like the truck in Sorcerer. But again, a lot of those effects were practical. A lot of these parts of the scene were, and it just makes... A difference. It really, 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 does. really does. It really does. There are a few, well, there's, there are several fun vintage aircraft in this movie. There's the Pan Am mm-hmm. Clipper, mm-hmm. which Christy mm-hmm. Swanson takes to go to, to Bengala, and then it gets attacked by, a, a, I think, a couple of sea cats. I'm not sure. And, and like, it's clearly a composite shot where the attacking planes are descending on the target plane. Like, it's definitely two or three different models that were shot as different plates and then composited. And it, it looks so good. Like, it doesn't quite look real no but it's just you know maybe that's just the nostalgia talking but i like the unreality of that more than i like the unreality of computer animation yep absolutely totally agree we cut to the phantom's inner sanctum where he is shirtlessly reading uh the chronicles <laughs> that the skulls of tuganda which we glimpsed in the mm-hmm. opening we first time we see the village the tugandan village they are there on a fire with a ring on it and i think we see the three skulls together which confuses me because of the lore that comes in later in this movie. But uh, So one is made of gold, one is made of silver, one is made of jade. When they are placed together, they harness an energy a hundred times more destructive than any force known to man. And this is when I started to be like, oh, wow, this whole bullshit about CGI (laughs) shit was already in the DNA of the superhero movie this early. Like, we we were already going to get the big, like, last act CGI spectacle special effects bullshit even this early, even now. Hmm. Um, so they were in the keeping of the Tugandans until the Seng Brotherhood, like, oh, just how, how are you supposed to keep track of this, uh, <laughs> yeah. invaded and separated the skulls and lost them to history. For four centuries, there's been no trace of them. So this made me reevaluate because at first I thought that kid that we saw in the opening was supposed to be Pat Rubigoon, but no. Because apparently that no, kid that was in 1620, 16, I don't think or, or we got the year, which confused me. But yes, there were like pirates and bullshit. Yeah, but old Phantom 20, whatever whatever Patty McGee is called, uh, mm-hmm. Paterfamilias Phantom, he says 400 years. Yep. So presumably that puts this 1530s, that opening prologue. I think uh, so, I mean, yeah. He did explain that it all began a very I mean, I played I, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I should have known when the whole pirate thing was happening, but I didn't. So then we meet... As he's sitting there shirtless, um, Paddy McGee he comes in. He's looking, he's looking a little worse for wear. Is Paddy he, McGee? He, he looks like Ian McDarmid when he's supposed to be fucked up as Palpatine, oh, like come when, on. like when he's not cleaned up for that the is Imperial unkind. Senate. It's unkind, but I think it's accurate, Glenn. Uh, he's I got the look, crazy eyes. He doesn't look. The, he doesn't look puffy. He looks thin. Look he might look a little too thin, but anyway, the, he is the father of the current Phantom. Who at first their interaction is all oh don't worry about it no it's I'm sure I'm sure you did your best oh fine everything hakuna matata and then as soon as he learns that the Seng Brotherhood <laughs> has the skull of Tagada he's like yeah. you are the worst you yeah. you disappoint me you are yeah, I, I yeah. shame upon you and your offspring you are terrible um, yeah that was a very fun turn I used to come here myself Kit to consult the chronicles for guidance and wisdom 
Usually when I was troubled or confused or just screwed up real bad. I'm guilty on all counts, Dad. I let that skull slip right through my fingers. Don't be too hard on yourself. We all make mistakes. This one gets worse. How so? It was the Sang Brotherhood. I saw the spiderweb tattoo. You turned over one of the skulls of Tuganda to the Sang Brotherhood. They've tried and failed to get their hands on those skulls for the last 400 years. They don't have all three. We don't know how many they have. Have you any idea what it means if the Brotherhood gets control of the skulls? They'd be invincible. And stop them. You're the only one who can. Now, I mean, we don't get Pete McGowan here, right? We don't get mm-hmm. crazy inflection. We don't get, we get like, we get like a working actor who's there to, yeah. to deliver his yep. lines. Yes, and be, you know, distinctive, but not distinctive. Not like, rip. The Sang no. Brotherhood? Like, we're not getting that. And that's kind of what I was yeah. hoping for, because we get so little of him, and I wanted some concentrated McGowan. I know. But I, I think he too. was just there. I just think he was there to, to earn his paycheck. I think he was there. And the stuff he says here, and in a later scene where he's talking about, oh, when they bring the skulls together, they have mystic power. Like, goofy. Goofy as fuck, these lines. Goofy, goofy, goofy. He, yes, when he, when he materializes in the cab. In yep. New York, and he, he, he says it's the bottom of the ninth, and you're two skulls down. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're just joshing this this baseball talk, you know, father son baseball. I get it, but the fact that uh, his father turns on a dime and starts to lambaste him is like he's clearly, you know, I don't I don't think it's some kind of mystical phantom thing. I think it's just he's trying yeah. to work out something that he right. really should be working on in therapy. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Long Island baseball, the national pastime of Bangala. Apparently, Uh, to a very Gatsby-esque party, Miss Diana Palmer shows up. Uh Christy Swanson. Palmer, I didn't realize. I'm very sorry. Forget it, Falkmar. I'd throw me out too if I didn't know better. Welcome back, Miss Palmer. I mean, I'm a I'm a gay man. She looks amazing here. She looks like she looks almost Rachel Ward in Blade Runner for me. She she looks. So good. Christy Swanson? Christy Swanson does. She looks amazing. Uh, She looks fine. I, of course, am all about 27-year-old Catherine Zeta-Jones, Glenn. Holy cow. We haven't gotten there yet. I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones is never, she's never looked bad, but uh, this predates my awareness of her, I think. Mm -hmm. She she had only recently come to the States after being in some some British... uh, TV show that made her famous in England and, you know, apparently she was getting typecast and it's like, okay, I'm going to start over again in, in L.A. And this was one of the first big things she did. But, um, yeah, pretty pretty good femme fatale in this, but she looks No, so she good. does. She does look good, but we haven't gotten to her yet, A. I and know, B, I know, I know. there is a confidence in that performance that I really admire. I really, really like, like Catherine Zeta-Jones in this. Anyway, Trent Williams shows up. Speaking of confidence, a very hot Xander Drax shows up. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. good lord. This, uh, wow. I just thought he was kind of a boring villain. And I mean, he's, like he's 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 trying hard. You can see him trying okay. to be a Batman villain. You can see him trying to be campy. You can see him trying to go over the top, and he doesn't quite do it. But I mean, like, man has 
facial structure you can't ignore. I mean, like that, wow. that is just that okay. is just right. uh, the mustache. That, and, uh, and I remember loving him as interesting. A kid. No, I'm just learning. I'm just learning about you because no, like, no, I, no. I would not like with Billy Zane. I see it. Yes, of course. This is a this oh is a beautiful God. man, 30 years old, in fantastic Jesus. shape, and they've and they've also sprayed him down, so he's sort of glowing when uh, and the hair, all that. But, that one uh, little cowlick thing sure. going on there. Holy right. crap! No, no, no. I get that, but Treat Williams, I. I don't see it, but uh, nope, we're, nope, we're different nope. people. He's uh, he, again, he's trying too hard, and that uh, and that is a distraction. But uh, you can't you can't argue with genetics. It's sorry. All right, facial symmetry is a thing. So um, he's a very uh, hot Zender X. Uh, Lily Lily's uncle turns out to be an important publisher. Who informs us? Bill Smitrovich from Crime Story. Bill Smitrovich from Crime Story. Who inf- many other things, many other things. But Detective Sergeant Danny Krychek, Dennis Farina's right-hand man on Crime Story. Anyway, yep. sorry. He informs us, and needlessly he informs Xander Drax, that Xander Drax is a bad guy who, <laughs> with, who is hella corrupt. Uh, he's in league with the Zephro crime family. Zephro. Excuse me, gentlemen. Here's the man I want to see. You're not welcome here, Mr. Drax. Well, the police commissioner is standing right here. Why don't you have me arrested? Be sure to sample the canapes on your way out. <laughs> for God's sakes, Dave. That's not necessary. Oh, that's all right, Mayor. I can speak for myself. Dave, help me out here, will you? Your reporters have been poking their noses into my personal affairs, and I just don't understand why. Do you? Yes. And you will when we publish our story. <laughs> why go after me? I'm just a private citizen. You own companies that regulate public utilities. You control the trade unions. You influence interest rates and stock prices. And you have personal and business involvements with the Zephyro crime family. I'd say you're a very public figure, Mr. Drax. You know, in all my life, I never heard such tall tales. Have you been talking to my ex-wives? <laughs> Zephyro sounds like a, like a pharma, a big pharma, <laughs> like, like a big pharma company. But uh-huh. anyways, the Zephyro crime family, Palmer and Diana repair to the study where he informs the city leaders, I like that the you mayor. Said repair. I, I yes, love the, it. They, uh, they don't go into the study. They repair to the study. Wonderful. Repair to the study over brandy and they, and cigars. And they uh, talk about to the, Chief of Police and the Mayor, that uh, uh, he informs that he has a highly placed source at the city library, which I laughed out loud at. Like the idea <laughs> of a highly placed source at this, like yes. a, they're they're the chief librarian. No, the, no, 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 no. The like chief right on librarian. top of the stacks. Like yep. you know the, the like write, you need to get the little sliding ladder to get up to that top. Like it's on they top have of that. The power they've got the Dewey Decimal System in the palm of their fucking hand. They can take one of those little cards out of the back of the book with the little tucked-in card with the they due date it. and stuff. They, they can just tear it up. They Chris. can tear it up. No one can do anything about it. Let's see. That's where snapping. You could have done the snapping. This is what librarians do. Glenn, the reason I didn't do this is because I, when, when you were, were recycling your – what's the name of the bio biocarbonate amalgamate? What's the chemical company in scanners? I think it's biocarbonate amalgamate. <laughs> Whatever. Who yeah. Who, who – I, I reiterate, cares. <laughs> But you were recycling the invoice thing there, and I—that yeah. was when I told you. I was like, I realized yeah, I could—I could make this work for library books. I could yes, do a push stamp file into, and now that I've said that on the air, now I can't do it. Oh, you totally can. <laughs> this is—I don't understand where you're coming from. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm here trying to adhere to a consistent set of rules, and you're just making shit up on the fly. You're making narrow, more specific rules. You are like those legislators in Texas who wrote okay. that diabolical right. anti-abortion yeah. law. In a, a way that makes it just incredibly hard to challenge, Glenn. That's am, that's what am, you are. With your... I am looking at the time here. We are so in, little into this movie, and we are already yeah. here. Okay, so 
You don't want to get topical? That's fine. I, the city, I'd like to get topical like an ointment. The city library told him that Drax has been researching a strange symbol, which is just a weird thing to notice and then to report he's been researching a strange symbol. <laughs> Um, we know to be the sign of the Seng Brotherhood. Palmer wants to leave for Bengala to meet with a Captain Philip Horton, but Diana wants to go right. in his place. Who is basically the, the Commissioner Gordon of this. this is, he, and, he and Phantom, they have a Batman Commissioner Gordon. This is report. the reveal yeah. that I didn't want to reveal, but no, sorry. It's Every, yeah. Nobody, uh, it's totally fine, Chris, because nobody who's listening to this this far <laughs> will not have spent the time to watch this movie because, like, why would you listen to this if you didn't watch this movie? <laughs> So the mayor is in on it, or maybe it's the chief of police. It's probably the chief of police who informs Drax that the Palmers know far too much. So yeah. Diana gets on a seaplane. This is the it's chief shit of police. It is. I like in this kind of movie, getting on a seaplane, seeing what the inside of a seaplane looks like, seeing Pan what it's like Clipper. to fly. Kind of a famous. Uh, I love seaplane. this shit. I want to see what people are wearing as they go on a plane, and the fact that like people are are seated along the wall and not in rows, that's cool to me. I didn't know that. That's a thing. Whether or not people ever actually got dressed up to go fly somewhere on an airplane, I I've seen that in movies, and I choose to believe it, Glenn. Yeah, I, think I that's want to true. believe. I totally think that's true. But of course, people were always dressed up back then. There was no, there were no right. sweatpants right. back that's then. That's true. A Zephyr gang member offers to take her up, but Drax says he's got friends in that part of the world. Then he fondles a microscope with blades that uh-huh. poke out of the eye holes because <laughs> foreshadowing is a thing. Uh-huh. Uh, then a Dr. Fleming, the head of the city library, comes into his office and... Before the blades come out and blind, um, was it the chief librarian? Dr. Is that Fleming, the, the yes, yes, yes. Yep. Dr. Okay. Fleming, right. He has enough time to see that in the uh, little observation tray of the microscope is a card that says, liar. Well, that's not, we're not there yet, Chris. We're not I mean, there, we're not there No, Wait. because Dr. Fleming comes into the office <laughs> and Drax suspects the doctor of not keeping the secret uh-huh. of the research that he's doing. You have told people I'm researching a strange symbol. Again, <laughs> weird. Uh, he invites him to look into the microscope where he sees the word liar. And then it's it's his own doing, Chris. This is the right. uh, the plan that's fiendish in, in its intricacies. No, he looked he down, then, he saw a liar, liar, and he thought it was a reference to the contemporaneous Jim Carrey film that I've never seen because Jim right, Carrey sucks. Yeah. But uh, then he just turned the focus knobs and saw that it was just one liar. And then he turned him a little more, and that was the last thing he ever saw. Yeah, and then Susie Kurtz comes out of the wings and just says, over actor, and that's the whole thing. I like the liar thing. I liked this set piece. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. We don't see the blood. We don't see anything. We just hear the screaming. Again, it's a nice yeah. piece of business. This is uh, this film surprised me in small ways. This is one of the small ways that this film surprised me. Uh, so the seaplane gets buzzed by some biplanes, and they're forced to land in the ocean. And then, again, this is actually from the Phantom Strip. Some sexy female pilots come on board, and Catherine Zeta-Jones is a leader of them who knocks out Diana. Mm-hmm. We then mm-hmm. cut to the Jungle Patrol. Now, in the comics, the in the strips, the, the Jungle Patrol is actually led by the Phantom, even though they don't actually acknowledge that he's the leader of the Phantom. Right. But, um, so these, these are some other white guys who some other, protect some the, other white guys. the Bengalans from themselves, it's, I guess. This is when I was screaming, can we just leave the jungle now? Can we go back to New York so at any Bengala point? Bengala has been colonized totally, by totally, England, totally. I guess. Because we're patrolling this place where you live. Um, yeah. We learn that the very captain who poo-pooed the existence of the Phantom is, of course... His Commissioner Gordon. Yes. Uh, and that Zane here in this scene, uh, Billy Zane, is doing this incredible Adam West things with his hands on his hips. He is playing it completely straight, even though what he's saying is completely ridiculous. We learn that the Phantom knows the name Diana Palmer. One of the, f- the fact that we 
we can glean from this scene that they've had a past, and yet we don't get the reveal of it much later, this is another smart thing this film does. Like, it is Agreed. giving you, it's acknowledging that you can see what acting is, and the fact that, you know, Billy Zane know, is acknowledging that, yes, I know who this person is, and we have a past, and not explain it yet. Right. Waiting for it. That's a really smart thing. We cut to Sala, play, uh, played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. We know her name is Sala because she's got a S on her chest because she is a supervillain, and that's what they do. Sala and Quinn are interrogating Diana. Um, I like that when she comes in after having knocked out Diana, she's the one carrying unconscious Diana on her shoulder. Mm-hmm, like, she's mm-hmm, the one who carries her in and mm-hmm. drops her in the chair, and then she says to James Remar, thanks for your help. Or yep, something. yep, yep. Awesome. This awesome. is all good. This is all solid pieces of business. The Phantom sends his wolf, uh, what's the wolf's name? Um, Devil. Devil. Onto the boat. Uh, then he climbs aboard it on a rope in broad daylight. So what's the difference between him climbing aboard it on a rope and just walking up the gangplank? Nothing. Little to nothing, I would say. <laughs> but he does clamber aboard uh, on the rope. He just wants to show us that he can climb a rope. I mean, climbing a rope is uh, it's it's pretty not sexy. super easy to do. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Good for the good for the delts. Good for the pecs. Not, um, not sure Treat Williams can do it. No, I am. maybe he could. Maybe he could back then. Sure he could. Uh, Sala finds the note with the Seng Brotherhood symbol on Diana, but she doesn't get to read it. Now it doesn't matter if she read it because it like <laughs> she's part of the Seng. Like it doesn't like they're making this like oh boy she better not find this note but it doesn't it wouldn't yeah. matter if she did because yeah. yeah. it's just a spider web nobody cares but she doesn't get to read it as the <laughs> phantom shows up before she can read it um, but before that happens the phantom and this is pure west he, he barges into a women's shower and pulls a very phantom version of careful jump pedestrian safety it's a very I love this scene I love everything about mm-hmm. it where these women are in their bras as they go into a Showering, shower, which is yes, uh, yes. PG, but still, uh-huh. never, never mind. And yes. This isn't Porky's, Glenn. <laughs> it's not Porky's. That's a very good point. Uh, so then he goes down a laundry chute. He disarms Sala because she is smitten with him. Oh, just man, I love that. Ripping, I w- ripping it out of her hands, yeah. The quick hands, like taking a gun away. Like, I love that shit. And mm-hmm. I love that in any movie. I love gun takeaways, and this is a very good one. But it's um, it's not a good thing to model, right? Because that's not how things work. No, right? <laughs> well, it's also if he gets it wrong, um, yeah, Diana yeah. is getting shot. So Diana that's is true. right there, standing in front of the barrel of the gun. So maybe you're willing to roll the dice with your own life. But because it uh, seems like pulling yeah, a trigger it's... and reaching for a thing, like pulling the trigger, always wins, right? Isn't that how that works? Yeah, in real life. Yeah. Well, I always think about this when, I, for example, later on in the film, there's a uh, the Phantom. Uh, or is it Treat Williams? Later on, when when the, uh, the the Singh Brotherhood has Treat Williams and his guys under guard, and I think I might be remembering this wrong because I think they they have them covered with swords. But anyway, there's there's a scene where there there are two henchmen um, who both have revolvers, both cocked, mm-hmm. and they're holding them like like they've they've got. I think it's Billy Zane, but it might be Treat Williams in a you know an arm lock, and they're holding him and just keeping the guns pointed at them. Danger, danger all about. Terrible, terrible situation. But one of them has their finger resting on the trigger guard of the revolver, mm-hmm. the recommended fashion. And the other one just has their finger on the trigger. You know, and I'm I'm like, who, who's the, the fight captain or whatever, the stunt coordinator on this movie? It's just letting this happen. Like, even, obviously, like, if there's anything in it, and in a shot like that, there's probably nothing in it. But, um, mm-hmm. like, even if it was just a blank or something, that's just bad, 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 dangerous 
Don't ever touch the trigger of a gun, Glenn. If you learn nothing else from this podcast. I have taken literally nothing else away from this <laughs> podcast, and I don't think I've taken that because my... You learned, uh, you learned some, some, some real casting shit about the Lion in Winter. <laughs> it's true. That's true. James Cameron's 1986 Lion in Winter. Lion in Winter. Oh. Um, so this is the first time we bust out There's an Old Juggle Saying. It will come back. It's this, ju- it's this film's running gag. I'm, I'm here for it. Usually I hate this kind of shit, but yeah. I like it's employed, uh, it's deployed uh, well. Uh, and then yes, another that's, thing. Yes, that's very uh, like the old Klingon proverb, only Nixon could go to China. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. I never get tired of that joke. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Diana knocks Sella out. Um, this is, of course, written by committee. This is, of course, studio right. note. This is, of course, whatever it is. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. here for it. I really li- I like I never thought of Christy Swanson as like a particularly intelligent actor for a particular reason, but she's got this. She's she was the original Buffy, right? She's the, the she was. Buffy. And so maybe that's coloring my judgment. But I mean, like there is a and also the fact that she feeds her kids by spitting into their mouths. It's like a whole thing. And also that she's a huge trumper. What? Is that a real thing? It's a real thing. It's a real that, thing. And she's a huge okay. trumper. And so, like, like I, I don't think of her as being particularly insightful, but she's yeah. got this centeredness in this film that makes her really sexy. Uh, but again, you yeah. know, sexy with a asterisk. Um, really? You're getting that from her, not from Catherine Zeta-Jones. I mean, sure, but, but Catherine Zeta-Jones is just trying so hard. Like, you know, like, she's, she's just putting it out there. And uh, and she and Diana is you know she's she's got a little bit uh, more okay a little more reserve. Uh, so they almost escape, but then Quill detains them and punches him in the ribs, um, and it's almost going uh, go to go to hell until Devil comes and rescues them. And then the the Phantom and Diana take off in a seaplane. And let's pause here while I get another drink. Is that okay? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I will do the same. Pausey. 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 Low degree absolutist Clemic here. While Glenn and I are refilling our drinks, I'll just say that I know and Glenn knows that it was Sean Young, not Rachel Ward, who played Rachel in Blade Runner. Sean Young, famously the co-star with Patty McGee in Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. She plays another femme fatale opposite Kevin Costner a few years later in No Way Out. They have a big love scene in the back of a limo that's driving around on a course that's very puzzling to anyone who lives here in Washington, D.C. Many years later, just looking at her IMDb filmography, obviously, uh, the voice of Nellie the Spider Woman in Ginger Clown. Sounds horrifying. This is a unforgiving cruel business, particularly to women. Anyway, Sean Young, not Rachel Ward. You don't need to write us, just know that we know that you know. And now you know that we know that you know. Glenn regrets the error. Nice shirt, by the way. Oh, this whole thing, I just threw it on. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Um, let's see. <clears throat> so, Xander Drax, Xander Drax. 
is trying to get the three skulls and he's got to deal with the Singh Brotherhood. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And blah, okay. blah, 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 blah. So Phantom and Diana take off on the seaplane. There is a chase here. But first, before the chase happens, we learn that the wolf and the horse have a shorthand. They speak to each other. They know what each other's about. A mental uh, link. A mental link. The plane is leaking fuel, so he steers it over a clearing. And they jump aboard the horse. And this is a practical stunt, it looks like to me. Somebody did this. Somebody actually did this. Probably not Billy Zane, but someone did it, <laughs> and that is a pretty good stunt. That's a pretty solid fucking stunt, right? So there is some buckled swash here. This this mm-hmm, was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So just as they're like all congratulating themselves because they jumped off a horse from a plane, uh, the truck shows up to chase them through the jungle. Quill emerges here as the kind of leader who's always ordering people about Blaming any failure on his underlings, he's not a good manager. He is not no, someone you want no. leading your team. Um, and then the Phantom leads them through the jungle to the village of the Rope People, who are who are so named because they rope people. They rope people up yeah. good, and they rope up the goons. Whatever. I'm desperately trying to remember the Ewok village song. To jump, 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 jump. Isn't it Yub Yub? Yub Yub, right. Yes, it's, it's Yub Yub, of course. There's some Yub Yub going on here. There's also some Batman 89, because then this is where the Phantom takes Diana to his secret skull cave. He Vicky Vales her and takes her to his secret cave. At least it's him. It's not, uh, what's what's the, it's the Phantom's Alfred. Alfred named? Uh, I can't remember. Gan- okay. Gander? It's, uh, it's, I think it is Gander, yeah. Who in the comics is from the Pygmy tribe of... Bengala, which is gross. Uh, Yeah. I like that he calls the Phantom Ghost Who Walks. Yep. It'd be like if Alfred says, all right, Dark Knight Detective, will there be anything else? (laughs) So then he gives Anna a black pearl necklace. (laughs) Uh, It's a gift from one of his ancestors, from a grateful every prince. The captain shows up and like, it's like... Oh, hang on, hang on. I just want to talk about this because he doesn't, it's not like he goes into a drawer and pulls out this beautiful rare necklace and gives it to her. Like he goes into a fucking vault, a a Scrooge McDuck treasure trove. Where does that come from? I don't know, but it was, it's not good. (laughs) The way I read this scene, you know, piles of jewels. I I was just like, can't give her this, can't give her this, can't give her this. Okay, we'll just give her the little necklace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. was like... Which the captain refers to when he says, oh, the old black pearl necklace again, eh? Which, like, uh, which uh-huh. suggests that, like, the Phantom is just going through, like, he's a fuckboy, <laughs> which I don't really believe the Phantom is a fuckboy. Uh, so uh, the captain does show up. It turns out he's, like, it's like Batman admitting Commissioner Gordon into the Batcave, which is a, a whole thing. Yep. But it turns out uh, that Diana shows them the symbol, the Seng Brotherhood, the ancient order of evil. It's an ancient order of evil. Uh, we learn the name Xander Drax. So the Phantom wants to send her back to New York, uh, and she says she came here to do a job. And my thing here is that she did the job, which is to yeah. be the captain and find out what the symbol is. And so she right. found out what the symbol is, so her job yeah. is done. Um, Go file. Fine. That way Glenn will accept That's file. True. as uh... If only they had said the word file, which they did not, Chris. So we cut back to New York City. We, we see the Drax building. Uh, Sala and Quill are delivering unto him the silver skull. Uh, Quill's like, I killed this dude before. I don't know what's going on here. And Sala says uh, he's in love with Diana because she's insightful and she's sexy. The Phantom turns Hang up in on. New York. No, she says because the Phantom chose Diana over her and that must be love. Okay, well, 
I mean, yes, you could mark it down to this character's narcissism, but I'm going to just say she's just laying out the facts. If you're just going on sheer lust, mm, okay. yeah. You, now, granted, you have to... It put anything I say on this topic with an asterisk on it, but like, I mean, like, I would rather somebody. A Scarlet H. <laughs> Scarlet H. <laughs> but like, I mean, like, I think, I think CZJ is trying a little too hard in this, in this role. Mm-hmm. The character is trying too hard. And, uh, you know, okay. m- my girl. That cools your. Uh... My girl Diana is just, you know, she's, she's holding it in. She's, she's just hanging she's back. She's withholding it. That's, that's what you like. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So he, the Phantom, in his uh, guise, who we don't know the name yet, uh, visits the paper of Diana's uncle, the World Tribune, the uh, log line of which is Lux Veritatis, which is either light of truth or mm-hmm. light Democracy dies truth, in darkness. Or sunlight makes All the best disinfectant. All the news that's or fit to light. I don't sunlight. know. Exactly. Something, <laughs> yeah, something right. like that. He uh, slips the cab driver, who we've seen in a million things, uh, and must have turned up on The Sopranos, must have turned up on anything. He's just this guy. We've seen him everywhere. He slips the cab driver a fortune in um, rubies and opals and diamonds and yep. whatever. Blood diamonds, Chris. Blood yep. diamonds. Um, <laughs> we cut to this amazing- I like that scene. I mean, that is 1% by volume of this movie. It's about a minute. A 100 minute movie that is 1% of this movie is him negotiating to pay for his cab ride at Jules. And and I love it. Good scene. It kind of collapses under the weight of no no New York cab driver would be like, sure, these plastic jewels that you're handing me, (laughs) I will just wait here. The fact that he does appraise them later makes sense. And the fact that he can get them appraised. Yeah. Did they stop in the jewelry district? Like, where, where, how did this, how did they get them appraised in the literally 10 minutes? Mixed some some Skittles in with these MMs. Okay. Uh, So this Drax monologue in the boardroom, I mean, I love boardroom villain scenes i love this is, i can't i i love it in hot sucker proxy i love i love any boardroom scene where one of the subordinates is getting killed one of them isn't even leaving that boardroom you know thing. it's coming this is capone this is like this is it's it's everything I what love. is it that brings me joy <laughs> a man has enthusiasms enthusiasms I mean, the the, uh, the lines in this thing the line, it's a very <laughs> brief scene but like he's 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 all darkness rules the earth chaos reigns we get a little <laughs> Lars von Trier air antichrist for no reason in the middle of this <laughs> chaos reigns yep. um um so we get more exposition about the skulls of Tugada which we have already gotten but again it's so important to the film especially to the last act of the film that we need it again uh-huh. so we know that he knows the location of the second skull uh, so then he ends his PowerPoint, and one of the hoods, Ray, who is from The Sopranos, as you mentioned, uh, says, uh, this ain't what I'm for. I was an altar boy at St. Timothy's. Oh, That guy might have been from The Sopranos, too. He probably was. But Richie Aprile is the one who stays. Richie Aprile mm-hmm, is, is mm-hmm. the, yeah, the one who sticks around. Okay. I, I'm sure the guy, the guy was. But, like, this is like, oh, yeah. I can't. Uh, hickory dickory duck. Oh. Um <laughs> He's out, and he's taking his Andrew syndicate Dice with Andrew Dice Clay him. was also a regular on Crime Story, Glenn. <laughs> That's certainly true. Since you mentioned. So this dude is taking his uh, syndicate with him. I'd love, I'd love to be able to say, <laughs> this is my goal, is that I can be in a meeting and say, I'm out, and I'm taking my syndicate with me. Uh, <laughs> he tries to leave. Drax spears him, because he's got spears lying around, as you do. Um, and then there's a whole Bursitis line, which, you know, I mean, again, he's trying too hard here. But but uh, Treat Williams uh, is is my current age in really? this role, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know when he throws the spear and then complains about his bursitis, it's like yeah. 
Yeah, sure. A note of authenticity in I this uh, cartoonish film. I literally feel it. So we cut to a train station. Diana is back in town. It's so funny that uh, uh, Kit got back in town very quickly and she's had to take the train. Again, we don't question how Bruce Wayne was able to re-infiltrate an occupied Gotham. He can just do it. Come of course, we, we do question that because... I mean, we just do. So anyway, uh, she goes to the publisher's office, her uncle's publisher office, and meets Kit Walker. Kit Walker, who looks so good in, is it Tweed? I don't even know. But they I knew each other remember. in college. They talk about Drax, as one is wont to do when one meets somebody they haven't seen for years. So the Weasley guy who met her at the train station says he's seen the Jade Skull before, which is just a huge, like, plot hole. Like, like uh-huh. of course. Like, it wasn't for this dude. That's why you pay for Jeffrey Bohm. That's why you, That's why you open up those boom bucks so that <laughs> you can get that all done in one scene. Cover the plot booms. Um, so when he was, he saw it when his kid at the Museum of World History. We don't call it the Met because why would we call it the Met? Anyway, so during the scene, this is, as I mentioned before, Kit is thinking it must be the Museum of World History. And he puts his hands on his hips and Diana clocks it. And it's not made a big thing of. It's not like a whole no, it's thing. Good. You just get it. You just fucking get it in a way that right. this today would be a whole thing. She would a have whole a whole fucking thing. flashback to something yep. that happened 20 minutes earlier when he put his hands on his hip in the same way after rescuing her with the and mask we're on. And still, him. we know that they have a history, but we're holding back on giving us the backstory. It's just... This is this is how you do screenwriting. This is like don't give it, don't ex- let let us figure it out before let us lead the movie before you tell us the movie. Anyway, so um, Quill is like I killed the Patrick McGowan Phantom six years before. Now let's you and I do some math now, Chris. Um, uh. <laughs> Patrick McGowan was sixty eight when he made this film, sixty nine maybe. So he was still phantoming at sixty two years age. Tom Billy Cruise Zane. is almost there. Tom Cruise is almost there. Is that true? That's not true. How old is he? I think Tom Cruise is 58. That's that's, that's not... Okay, fine. So uh, Billy Zane, and making this film, he was 30 years old. So that meant that Patrick had him at age 32, which is perfectly uh-huh. cool. By the way, the mom, not a thing. Never mentioned, doesn't come <laughs> up at all, doesn't exist. Only the father and the son, the father yeah. and the son, in a very... The anti Bechtel test way. Do you think uh, Patty McGee even knows which rope person it was? He had to find a white lady, his... right? He he was living <laughs> on the island, the like island, and had to go find a white lady at some place, and then have him raised uh, in America. Uh, we literally learned that Patrick's tenure was a sixty-year run, which means he was phantoming at age eight. <laughs> he became he again. Title. This is what I'm saying like his age doesn't work in scanners either. We talked about yeah, this when he he yeah. says that he formed the lab in 1942, and this movie is almost 40 years after that. Yeah, which again, as Petri said, he could have been a, a prodigy. He could have formed. I the mean, lab he was as a, as a, a phantoming prodigy. Like he could have been like, oh yes, <laughs> punch punch. Yeah. So are you just uh... <laughs> here? You go. Baby Phantom was a great little Lil little Phantom with uh, okay. yeah okay let's do Lil Phantom let's you and I write Lil Phantom where he's like meh it's the name of the meh. the name of <laughs> the baby punch, from punch. Who Framed Roger Rabbit the what uh, baby yeah. Huey baby Huey baby Huey no it's not baby Huey it's profane uh, cigar chomping baby so they find they already have I'm trying to think this out they already have the silver skull they find the jade skull at the museum which is it looks like it's a lobby like it's like an, yeah. an afterthought. 
case. He breaks the glass and takes it, but by then, because everything lines up in a movie like this, uh, Drax comes along, takes it. Um, They're just standing behind them. They just appear behind They yep. Batman up behind them, him, him yep. and his four-armed thugs, which I guess maybe when you're breaking open a display case in a public mm-hmm. museum, maybe, maybe you don't notice what's happening behind you. Mm-hmm. They just materialize. So we know that we learn that when the two skulls are brought together, they point the way to the third... And as this uh, is happening under the light show, this is the first time you're like, okay, so this is going to be a whole fucking CGA bullshit. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, Trey Williams is like, it's beautiful. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you've seen movies before. Uh, you've uh, seen Raiders, and yeah. you know exactly what's going on. It's very Nazis. Uh, it's very Batman. It's very Raiders. Uh, the skull gets a bit, like, uh, uh, antsy. And then it points on a very handy-dandy nearby map. <laughs> yep. Now again, this is this is Bohm. Is this, that his name? Bohm. Yeah. Okay. This is very expedient. I get that it's very expedient. Let's let's cut to the chase. We need to cut to the next scene. Mm-hmm. This is so fucking dumb. The fact that there's a map <laughs> right there. What if they were doing it in the middle of a field? What if it wasn't a Mercator projection? <laughs> what if it was a different kind of map? What if it was like it's so it angers yeah. me <laughs> that that like it's just we're, we're dependent on a map. Seriously, dude. <laughs> It can read a map? These two skulls from prehistory are like going to be like... Zzz. Oh, no, wait, uh, wait, this, wait. This is, uh, this is exactly one month in real-world time before Jeff Goldblum defeats an invading alien armada by giving them a computer virus for no, their, sure. with their, no, with their I, shipboard okay. Apple II desktops. Wow. Yeah. It, really? This was independent? This is a month this, before Independence Day? This is a month before Independence Day. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, was... Independence Day, the number one... Highest grossing film of, of 1996. <laughs> so slightly more successful than The Phantom. Welcome to Earth. Um, so um, at, at this point, we also see that Quill has now two marks of The Phantom on his face. One slightly below the other. I like that. Nice touch. Not commented upon, but it's there. Right. Um, so uh, the Drax takes Diana and Kit hostage and the cab driver, whom we know. Follows Drax and his goons, his gunsels, his yegs, I don't know what they're called, but like he follows them because he is, he's got the opals, he's got the yeah, star no, sapphires, he's, he's got he's the rubies. bought and paid for. Yep. Green clovers and purple diamonds, blue horseshoes. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> That's right. Uh, and already flowers. Uh, he takes uh, them back to Drax Tower. Uh, Sal is there. Uh, Kit sees that Quill is wearing his daddy's phantom belt. Um, which is like, you know, a phantom thread, which is like, it, yeah. it, it incenses him. Drax apparently got the coordinates that he's going to compare to a navigational chart. Um, and this is where, like, the, the movie has been flirting with um, Batman 66 camp for this whole time. Mm. But this is where it's like, oh, yes, these coordinates that, by the way, didn't show up on this map. I just, it just pointed to a spot. <laughs> and now I know what the coordinates are. And we're uh-huh. going to show this map that I have. Um, Quill takes Kit up to the observation stairwell, but there is a very truncated atomic blonde stairwell fight. Like it, <laughs> it's one person yeah. punches a person, and then they go into a machine room. And that's that's it. But you think it's going to be like a whole? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, here we go. But um, some some real nice uh, facial shadows in this part of the movie. There is some great dramatic noir lighting. It's so good. They clearly, you saw the Burton Batman, and we're like, we got to get some people standing on grills and have them be underlit. 
you need blinds, you need a fan. This is all, yeah. it's all incredibly well lit. Um, and Kit has stripped down to his phantom costume. This is the scene I was mentioning before, Chris, where he mm-hmm. takes the goons out with the power of his thighs and his butt. There's a uh-huh. shot. There's a shot that I, I pray for you to use in the Insta because, oh boy, it's. Uh... <laughs> you know, you have the password to our Instagram account. But I, I don't know things. I can't do things. My VCR is still flashing 12. So I can't. I can, I, I can try to figure it out, but like, oh yeah, boy. I encourage you. Really I encourage you. Uh, so Drax discovers that the coordinates vo- point to the Devil's Voitex, a place where ships disappear, which, again, we've talked about this. It's not because I don't know why they went to the trouble. Why go to the trouble? Why just not say Bermuda Triangle? It's right there. The Phantom heads down the elevator shaft. This is a scene I really love. Uh, he uses his guns to break his fall by putting them against the rope, the cable. Sure. Um, it just seems wildly um, yeah. terrible, I think, to do I, no, I, for your guns, I, if you like, I like guns. It. I like it. Um, and he escapes from the elevator shaft just in time. Um, I love this. He's It's it's almost as if he's rolling under a wall to save his fedora. Like, uh-huh. It's just a thing <laughs> that he could do. It's like it's such swashbuckle, like... Um, movie serial bullshit which is exactly yeah. what it should be right this yes is, agreed this is what this film should be 100 percent. and then it's like it's batman 66 because he's chasing down the people in their car he re- he returns a woman's gloves who he's knocked out of her hand to her because of course this is i just i just love it <laughs> yeah and then he hops over some cars and by the way when this film was uh previewed and i remember the sneak previews uh the at the movies, whatever it was called, yeah. with with Siskel and Ebert, this scene where he's just hopping over the cars in downtown Manhattan, <laughs> or Los Angeles, or Burbank, whatever the hell it is, like that was the scene that they showed. I think it's Los Angeles at this this point. Of course, it is Los Angeles uh, playing New York. But I remember thinking, oh, that looks great, and I, I think I think both Siskel and Ebert were, maybe Ebert was more positive than Siskel. That makes more sense, but like. This is the iconic scene. When you people talk about this film, this is the scene of him hopping over the cars. Even though it's a solid stunt, it's not a great, it's not like a yeah. make or break stunt, but it's like the fact that somebody actually did this <laughs> is, is what sets the film apart. It's like it's uh, it, it just, uh, yeah. it's not spectacle, no, the... but it's perfectly respectable practical stunt. It is. And this is something that always, it will kick any any movie up, in my estimation, a little bit. A foot chase where a, a hero is leaping over cars. In that era, it wouldn't have been called parkour. But they're kind of parkouring no. through stalled traffic. Yep. I always love it. Always yep. love it. So it's all in camera. He steals a cop's horse, gets chased through Central Park. But it's not Central Park, of course, because, of course, yes. you can't call it Central Park because it's copyrighted, apparently. So it's like innermost park or middle park. And we've established that he rides a horse. That's his primary mode of transport back home. Now, this yep. this is only two years after after True Lies, where we get Arnold pursuing a terrorist on a motorcycle. Arnold is on horseback. He has taken the horse of a park police officer, and he is trotting through Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing fake New York is not as thrilling for me as seeing the city that I, I live in being the setting for a equestrian chase. But yep. still pretty good. Still pretty good. He goes into the Central Park Zoo, or maybe it's the Middle Park Zoo, or the whatever zoo. But he befriends a tiger because he is from the jungle. I love that. Yep. And I love the cops who are like, well, there's no way he was hiding in the tiger cage. Yep. It's pretty good. It's pretty good impersonation. He gets he gets into a very friendly taxi, and um, 
this is where he has a chat with Patty G. Uh, so maybe it's schizophrenia. It's the bottom of the ninth, and you're uh, two skulls behind. Dad, a man named Quill has a gun belt just like the one I wear. Is it yours? Yeah. He said he could show me this stronghold of the Seven Brotherhood. And he took me to a place deep in the jungle. What happened? He stabbed me in the back. Literally. So sue me. I'm a lousy judge of character. Maybe I can get that gun belt back for you. If you haven't lost them already. Don't worry, I'll catch them. I have to. There's a woman involved. Saints be praised. It's about time. So uh, tell him to step on it. Can you go any faster? You talking to me now? He learns that Quill has his gun belt. The, the gun belt that Quill stabbed him through, stabbed his father through. Right. Um, and the, fa- the father, Patty G, is like, uh, when the Phantom, the Kit Phantom, says, oh, yeah, I, I'm really committed to this because there's a woman involved. The father, Patty G, is like, oh, well, I'm glad it's, it's about time. And it's like, oh, triggering, <laughs> triggering. triggering. <laughs> oh, I've had this very conversation in ways that I do not uh-huh. choose to uh, enjoy. Uh, but yes, this was very triggering me, but, you know, I, I recognize it. So, uh, and this is another thing, Chris. Um, at this point, Kit dives into the water in his phantom suit to chase the seaplane that they're her off to the Devil's Triangle in. Um, this will mean... Precisely nothing to you, but in the uh, Linda Carter Wonder Woman series of the oh, Come on, I've seen it. Not every episode, but I've seen it. Have you seen the episodes where, like, she had this thing where she would spin, and, and she would normally turn into her Wonder Woman costume, yes. but sometimes... There's, there's a little explosion, and... There's a little explosion. Oh, are you, oh, are you going to talk about, like, the bathing cap version? The bathing cap version. So normally, you know, she could turn, and, and like, oh, she's going to ride a motorbike, or... <laughs> and so she gets a motorbike costume. There's one where she gets a diving costume with a cap, and it looks so much like the Phantom's costume <laughs> That when he dove into the water, I had this moment of like, oh, that's a powerful memory trigger. It looks so much like Wonder Woman's okay. diving costume that I was like, okay, oh boy, I don't know what's going on here. And then he gets on the pontoon of the uh, of the, the Grumman Sea Cat, yes. And this dude is, can we agree, he's going to freeze to death. Like, I mean, this is just, he's not a superhuman dude. He's a man right. who dove into cold water to get onto a pontoon on a plane that's going to go to, I mean... Who knows where the fuck the devil's vortex okay. is? Yes, but since Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect reference point for this, yeah. like Raiders of the Lost Ark, another self-consciously anachronistic, nostalgic kind of serial-derived update of all of that. There is the famous lost scene in Raiders where Indy is just clinging to the side of a Nazi sub for hundreds of nautical miles. I don't remember what part of the movie it's in, but it, it's taken out. They actually address this on the Blu-ray where they're like, "Well, we did have a, a scene." where Indy comes up out of the water and he's soaked and like we just took it out because it was just so dumb like it was just it mm-hmm. just called out the fact it was like wait he just held his breath and clung to the side <laughs> of a sub for like a day yeah. uh, and he's yeah. like we realized if we just we, if we just took it out no one would ever True. object to the it's, it's the same thing so they land on an uncharted island the phantom uh, falters he's only human I like that as a little thing where we see the more humanity we see from this dude is the more I like this dude um, they set off into a cave on a boat the phantom is what swimming behind them again it doesn't I don't care yeah. do it they find themselves in a very uh, pirates of the Caribbean do you say Caribbean or Caribbean Chris what do you say I say I say Caribbean but I don't is, I don't know is is one incorrect 
I don't think either is incorrect. I just, like, there is one that, like, when I look at the title of Pirates of the Caribbean, I think to myself, Pirates of the Caribbean. um, You know what is incorrect is um, the photograph that you see if you pull up Billy Zane's Wikipedia page. Because? The current photograph of Billy Zane. Yeah, I can't. I don't want to do that. Because no one wants to do that. I don't want to see me now, but... Yeah, sure. But we were talking about Linda Carter a minute ago. Yeah. And there's a lady who looked great in the 70s and who looks fucking great in 2020. And uh, Billy Zane has gone real... um, I know I'm asking for trouble. This is... a thing. It's a thing. He looks like Stanley Tucci. I saw his current photo and I was like, oh, it's Stanley Tucci Tucci. with his little hat. Stanley Tucci looks good. Stanley Tucci still looks good, dude. The dumb little hat. And, okay, well, uh, the, like uh, the, the, the page hat. boy cap. Uh, and the, pork by yeah, hat is a, is a bad sign, and, and no one should do it. Anyway, so they find a place that is very, uh, very uh, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, with torches lit. That is a warning sign. Go back. Like, the, you, you go to this ancient place, <sighs> and there's still torches lit. Don't. What you, what's, what's wrong? I'm sorry. I, no, I was just fact-checking myself. And nope, the, 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 the Billy Zane photo on his Wikipedia page. Oh, it's awful. It's a, like, I mean, a terrible know. mustache. There's a striped shirt. There's a page boy cap. I mean, you know, when when you lose your hair, there's only so much you can do, Chris. You have to kind of work around. You have to establish. You, you can't have a hairstyle, so you have to kind of figure out other shit to do. So, this place. I'm very glad you didn't take the page boy hat route. <laughs> very, very glad. I am anti-hats. Anyway, it's the Sang Brotherhood's stronghold. The uh, Phantom follows. He branches his guns, but they would be useless now because they've been in water for so long. And here's a thing that happens in this movie that I was kind of surprised by that I don't think would have happened in a movie 10 years before, which is that hmm. Sala and Diana bond. They have, they pass tinily the Bechdel yeah. test. Right. I wouldn't have expected that. Redemption arc. Redemption for, for, for Sala. Yeah. Justice for Sala. We learn that Carrie. Hiroyuki Tagawa, the great Kari yes. Hiroyuki Tagawa, is the great Kabai Sang. The film is improved. The film knows what it's doing. My name is Xander Drax. What? X-A-N-D-E-R-D-R-A-X. Xander Drax. Begins and ends with the letter X. From New York City. And you, sir... As long as we're making polite introductions and chit-chat, who might you be? He is the great Kabai Seng, leader of the Seng Brotherhood. Red descendant of the evil Kabai Seng. First leader of the Seng Brotherhood. He explains that he is the descendant of the evil Kabai Seng, which, well, would you describe? I mean, I, I would. I would describe yeah. certain of my ancestors as evil. Sure. But I don't know if I would, like, lead with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing I would say. He's really done some work. Yeah. He's uh, done some reckoning on, on behalf of his ancestors. This is a guy who, of, like, if, if any actor has ever been typecast, right? It's, yeah. it's this guy. Yeah. And he gets to do some fun line readings uh-huh. here, right? When, when he's um, giving it to James Rimar for being monolingual, when he and all his guys can speak whatever the, the native tongue of Bangala is, mm-hmm. <laughs> Bengalese and, and English, and uh, he's having a good time. This is a better showcase for him than most of the films that he showed up in in this mm-hmm. era. Yep. 
So it turns out they have the gold skull because, of course, they do. Uh, turns out there's a fourth skull that oh. controls the power of the three. This felt yes, like cheating, but 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 many fans just pretend it doesn't exist because the fourth skull was was many years after the initial three skulls, and uh, <laughs> you know it was, they just choose to, to ignore it. I see that. You have no bargaining power with me, Mister New York City. I could kill you and feed your pretty pink ass to the sharks. Besides, you don't have fourth skull. Fourth skull? What fourth skull? What are you talking about? There is no fourth skull. The fourth skull controls the power of the other three. So Kabai isn't having any of Treat's uh, pretty pink ass, which is... This is where you separate me from him, because I'm having <laughs> so much of Treat's pretty pink ass. But he and I are very different. Um... He orders that their team be killed. Drax lies and says an army will come looking for them. At which point, uh, Charlie Zephro says, no, man, that's bullshit. Every man for himself. And yeah. then he, he threatens Kabai and gets, as we have discussed, cannoned in a, a way I really liked. I mean, uh-huh. I, I kind of like this movie, Chris. Gabby, <laughs> you get me out of here. Or else you're really going to sleep with the fishes. Now, what are you going to say about that? Shinnibu. In the bowl. What's that supposed to mean? Just ancient fire talk for fire the can. Huh? I like the fact that he, he sees the fuse of the cannon being lit. What? <laughs> yeah. And I mean it's the the cannon is not mounted in such a way that it could track you were you to no, nope, sure, no, it's not. This is a real Charlie's Theron at the end of Prometheus uh, kind of uh, death scene where it's like, the one thing you don't want to do is just stay right there in that spot where you <laughs> are right. right now. You should not. You can move laterally. That's a thing you could do. <laughs> it's a movie screen. It's, a, it's only two dimensions. It's yep. uh, never mind. It doesn't work. You could still you could still move laterally. So Quill tries to kiss up. Drax says uh, Diana is his girlfriend. Kabai uh, killed the Phantom, he says, he informs us at one point, too. Uh, he buckles his swash into this fight. So does Diana. Like, the Phantom, mm-hmm. and this is, I mean, I'm a sucker for this, Chris, I'm sorry. But, like, the Phantom, in this scene, he is only shooting to his arm. I got a lump in my fucking throat here. It just, I... It's very, very heroic. He's it's uh, so, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's cool that uh, he, yeah he doesn't like have a monologue or anything like he ne- he never turns to uh, Diana and is like I I am forbidden to take life or I have respect for all that no we just see him doing it we just see no. him not no. killing people who it would probably be much easier for him to just kill so I agree with you I appreciate it and it's not just him it's Diana who is hitting folks with the butt of her sword all the time when she could just uh, kill them with the sharpie point of her sword. Yeah. She is just like hitting folks. And at this point, I have to acknowledge that the skulls look really shitty. Like these skulls, <laughs> like they could have done better with these fucking skulls. They could have made them look awesome. No, you did not have the Mad Max Fury Road production crew uh, working no, on you your, your skulls. What did you think of this fight choreography, Chris? Because there's a hell of a lot of it. Like, what did you think of the choreography itself? Like, it's. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, it's not thrilling, but I but I also felt like it was not supposed to look modern. I think it was very much meant to evoke the Errol Flynn Robin Hood, and um, that's true. I like it just because it's it's not 
cut to hell, as as we've been saying. It's a lot of the the camera hanging back, and you get to watch all these stunt players earn their money, mm-hmm. which is just uh, aesthetic that I prefer to the Cuisinart cutting that uh, became ubiquitous. Maybe after Born, is ten it years born? after did this, Born did it. It's uh, I, you know it's more the the second Born. I think when when Paul Greengrass takes over, that it really. Oh becomes uh i actually think it it works in those movies and in a way that it doesn't in a lot of their knockoffs because it's meant to put you in the fight right you're not some spectator who's hanging back and admiring how how, yeah i mean you're meant to feel the chaos and panic of having someone swing at you and kick at you and lunge at you and yeah i think in the case of born it mostly works but i I did not want to see it become the dominant aesthetic of fight scenes for 10 or 15 years as Mm. as it did so at this point uh the evil Kabai backs him up and pulls him into the canal that's filled with freaking sharks with laser beams, and then the freaking <laughs> lasers kill the dude. And it's like I, mm, I kind of well, that was not the visceral satisfaction. I'm waiting for the triple skull laser. Okay, so Sella and Diana, uh, the sisters, are doing it for themselves. They they are bonded. They uh-huh. are kind of working together. And there's one of those nets that happen that snares everyone by dropping down on it, which is like it's not going to get everyone, dude. It's like you can't impossibly get everyone in that same spot. The edges of the net, do they have? weights in them? Is that how that works? Like, so you possible. can't just like know. throw it off I mean, like big, it's a fucking quilt? Could be a thing. Yeah. So then yeah. they find a bunch of vessels and this is the line that comes out. It's like, this explains the missing ships. Does it? I don't understand <laughs> why it does. And like that's not a thing that you can just explain away, but I was kind of losing the thread here, I admit, but they get away in a sub. I feel like you like you could probably solve any screenwriting problem by just doing a little voice, like over over a over a long shot, over a two shot or something. Just just have someone off camera say like, "Oh, this explains the thing that we never figured out how to explain." It's exactly what's going on here, right? The audience is going to be like, "Oh, I guess okay, I guess I missed that. I'll I'll watch out for that next time I see this movie." Never. So Quill attacks the Phantom. There's a big fighty fight. The Phantom undoes his belt, which mm. in the first act is the gay porn parody of the Phantom <laughs> and I spent way too much time trying yeah. to come up with the title of like how, what happens after you take the gun belt of the Phantom I said it would be this movie was probably not enough of a hit to spawn a porn parody that's entirely true but I mean dude looks good in spandex so like Phantom fat astum <laughs> fan bottom fan wait fan cum fan cum Wow, that's very visceral, but good job. Five out of six. <laughs> Five out of six. All right, so the three skulls connect. There's a whole light show, which I just, I mean, this is when it happened, right? This is yeah. when you can say, oh, this is the shit that we have now uh, dealing with every day. This is when it happened, right? This is this bullshit, this fucking, uh, although Dark City had... Too, when I realized when I when I looked at that film again how much the Matrix took from that movie. Just like yeah, of course, two of years course later, including the sets. The Matrix was shot in the same studios mm-hmm. in Australia mm-hmm. where Dark Dark City was. Anyway, these spells are more powerful than I ever imagined. I've harnessed the energy of the sun. Who needs a fourth skull? I do, and I know where it is. 
Anyway, Drax vaporizes Quill. It's amazing how much bullshit CGI spectacle became coded into the DNA of these movies, even when the CGI sucked, even when the CGI was like, yeah, no, I'm not there. I don't, I don't know. I see this as being more like kind of the tail end of the 80s. Um, for some reason, the example that I'm thinking of is Big Trouble in Little China, which is a movie that I don't even like very much. I don't even like very much. I it's a decade it. before this, but yeah. it seems like they still have to spend their special effects coin very judiciously in this era in 96 whereas pretty soon we're going to get to like where it's all animated anyway so do whatever you want you know there's just no art thrives on restriction and there's no longer any restriction on what you can visualize Mm -hmm. so um drax is like i'll harness the energy of the sun which seems like a thing that we haven't been introduced before and so you're just going to do that now feels like you like you just just kicked up your ambition radically like yep. your push goal is way <laughs> way above your I don't know <laughs> challenge goal whatever the whatever the one below that one who knows that so uh it's a whole zappy thing uh it turns out that the fourth skull is his ring I've worn it all my life for protection I never really understood what that meant until right now I kind of like that as a notion I don't uh-huh. I don't I don't like the, the idea that it explains why when you punch somebody, they have that thing. I like it. Um, I don't think it works. But there's a fucking light show with a zappiness going between them and the grimacing and mm-hmm. the whole who cares of it all. I don't care when they're pointing the skulls at each other and he's pointing the ring back. Like, who cares about this? Who possibly cares about this? This is what Scanners doesn't like. Scanners yeah. gives us the, the sort of, you know, pustular yeah, yeah, forming on the surface of your skin instead of whereas the like the PG rated family friendly version of this is just the green laser beam is lengthening while the purple one is shortening or or whatever and the and the two actors are. Yep, it ends with Drax getting the axe. Uh, see what I did there? Uh, and nice, then he just nice. blows up. There's a big uh-huh. blow up. The Phantom grabs onto the chain. He follows the sub with the ladies, and it turns out they made it because it turns out they made it because it turns out they have left the island that's mm-hmm. about to blow up. Turns out they um, made it. It's, that's my phantom porn parody. <laughs> Not really, but I just, I, yeah, I was going to say, I, just to, yeah, like, turns I don't out think anybody would click on that. But so they got to the phantom telling Diana the story of the phantom and that there were 20 phantoms before him. And that, again, this is where we learn that the Patty uh-huh. McGee phantom had a phantom run from 1872 to 1932, which means he was. A 60-year run, and that he began it when he was eight years old. Eight uh-huh. years old. And so that's not a thing that uh, a superhero should be. Even Robin, the boy wonder, should not be eight years old when sure. he is no. fighting shit. Do you believe Patrick McGowan was ever eight years old? I think I, he was 45 I, 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 when he was born. Um, <laughs> so the final scene is Diana and Kit on the beach. Um, he does that thing where he takes off his mask and his eye makeup disappears. Like, boom, mm, done. Yeah. It doesn't exist. I'm fine with that. Do you, are you agree with that? Do you, of like, course. I'm fine. I am Absolutely. fine with that. No, I, I don't want to get into the, like, how does Superman, he just walks around with his costume on under his suit all day long. That yeah. never bothered it's me. It's going to be so sweaty. So never sweaty. bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. I do like it occasionally when, when there is uh, an attempt to retroactively explain how some magical thing that's been part of the lore forever actually works. But I don't need it. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to just accept the... Magical. I like Batman Begins, mm-hmm. but you know I like it alongside Adam West Batman. It's not a replacement for sure. it. 
for me. So the fact that she refuses him, and then there's this voiceover, as we talked about before, about of Patty G saying, uh, well, she will eventually she come knew, back to she him. She knew her own mind. Leave it to my son to let the perfect woman slip right through his fingers. Fortunately, Diana knew her own mind and vowed to herself that she would soon return to the Bengala jungle. Maybe then I can get some rest. Billy Zane got signed for two sequels, which oh, never really? fucking happened because, oh. I mean, I mean, let's talk about how little money this movie made. This movie made half of its budget. Like, ooh, oofta, oofta. Yeah, oofta. period adventure films are weirdly a tough sell for how successful the Indiana Jones movies all were. For some reason, that like it's it's almost like in the same way that black and white is just a barrier for some mm-hmm. audiences. You know, they just don't want to. I don't know, like people, they they do not want to see something that's set that far in the past. I guess they've kind of figured out the formula because, like I said earlier, I mean, Captain America: The First Avenger it did well, but it did not do the kind of numbers that most Marvel movies would do after it. And the first uh, Wonder Woman, the first Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman, obviously is a is a period film that did very well. They've sort of figured out how to make that guileless, unironic, straight up heroism, straight up aspirational, bordering on corny approach work. Mm-hmm. Um, there just wasn't very much of that around in the middle of the '90s because you know Clinton era, booming economy, pre nine eleven, end of history, yada yada yada. When things are good, people are not clamoring for this. You know, that's why Donner Superman was so huge in 78 because, you know, malaise. <laughs> it, it, you know, by 2017 with uh, mm-hmm. Trump and Brexit and QAnon, uh, scary, scary, scary things. Conditions are ripe to make that guileless Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman huge. So all, all of which is to say this, this movie that I had really no interest in seeing <laughs> 25 years ago, I quite liked it now. I don't think it's the best example of this. I don't think it's as good as The Rocketeer, but uh, I think it's good. All right, so rating. Let's rate this film out of six. Chris, you start. I'm going to be generous and give it a 3.5. Okay. I am going to take a point off because of the lack of McGowan content. There's not enough. Yeah. But everything else about this film, I really dug. I love the Catherine Zeta-Jones. I love the Christie Swanson. I love the Billy Zane, who is strikingly hot. I, I yeah, I, and again, I, I just did not have much sense of Billy Zane. I, Titanic dominated my thoughts. He's much better in this than he is mm-hmm. in, in that. He is also staring into the Adam West of it all. He is also staring yeah. into the cheesiness without doing camp. Like, the fact that we've talked about this, but like, they didn't understand what this film's tone was going to be. It was intentionally, it started off as being a parody, and then they decided to play it straight. And Zane is straddling that line, <laughs> and I respect that. And so I'm going to give this, I'm going to knock one point off for, like, the lack of, of McGowan, because, like, I wanted yeah a hell of a lot more McGowan. And I also wanted, like, more characterizing McGowan, more idiosyncratic McGowan and we didn't get idiosyncratic McGowan no. here we just got we get pretty straightforward like I need to pay for my bourbon McGowan so five out of six for me I really liked this movie I really did I really 
I enjoyed it. I kind of expected it to be a slog. And yep. uh, again, it was a movie that I had trouble focusing on. I wouldn't say that it commanded my attention. But no, every time sure. I looked up at the screen, <laughs> something was happening that I <laughs> enjoyed. Disagree with you about Treat Williams. I think he's he's kind of bland. I don't know. And I, and a lot of the, the performances that I think he's known for, like Prince of the City and I, I think another Sidney Lumet movie or maybe two, uh, I just haven't seen. So I don't mm-hmm. He is in a buddy movie with Joe Piscopo called Dead Heat. And uh, just, I I haven't seen it, Glenn, but I can picture the poster. It's that that phenomenon that we both described of just having the video cassette box image seared into your brain. Yep. Yep. What is your response when I say Treat Williams, Joe Piscopo buddy movie? I mean, it it, (laughs) it seems inevitable. It seems like that, of course. Does it? It should have have happened. (laughs) Uh, two straight dudes. <laughs> was this uh, before Piscopo got jacked? Because at some point, Piscopo got jacked, and that's I think I troubling. Piscopo was always he wasn't he jacked on SNL? No, 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 no. He wasn't. Wow. No. Yeah. There's something wrong with comedy guys who, well, generally they're they're not that funny to begin with, but then when they go and, of course, I'm thinking of Joe Rogan, but uh, and Carrot Top, when they go and get really Carrot Top got jacked. Well, really? Chris, I love I love that you were that that question we just asked because Carrot Top is super fucking jacked. Okay. And Carrot Top is also Carrot Top. <laughs> I want you to I want you to do a search right now of Carrot Top today and you will see. Do I need to put on safe mode to No, to do no, search? it's no. it's it's unsettling. I will say you will be unsettled. Okay. Um you'll be impressed. I think I I can be Impressed and unsettled at the same time. I, I recall you tweeted once that the adorable little kid from Jerry Maguire is like a, a hot MMA fighter now. He totally is. <laughs> Don't know his name. Mm, it's probably Jared because all uh, of that time were Jared. Oh, God. Right? Right? Look at the vascularity, Chris. Look at the vascularity. <sighs> but don't look at the face because the I face is just, a thing. Okay. But see, here's the thing that gay men can do is we can look at the body and not look at the face. <laughs> We've learned that that skill. That seems very dehumanizing. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, <laughs> but you're also... Don't like it. Don't like it. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so are we going to change tack and talk about a comic book next time? Are we going to Shattered talk Visage? About the... Shattered Visage. Boy, that'll... Yes. Uh, I don't Which know what Which people can I'm get... Gonna... Here's the thing. I don't like talking about things that people can't get access to. People can get access to a lot of these movies for free. Maybe we should do uh, Braveheart next because they can get it. Or Need to bring Petri back for that one. She's, okay. she's committed, and I'm, I'm willing to wait for Petri. Um, uh, chronologically, Brave, Braveheart is a, is a year before bullshit? this. Maybe we can do oh, Baby. Oh, oh we could. I, is again, that, is I, that I don't, available on streaming? I don't know if it I is. I think it is, and I don't, know, uh, I don't know how much McGowan is in that one. Uh, what I can tell you, Glenn, is um, Sean Young is in that movie. Mm. Mm. I feel like, well, I don't know. We've we've never we've never really had a, a conversation about Sean Young. It's, she, she kept me straight. She kept me straight for entirely too long. Her yeah. double shows up in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It was terrible. Was it terrible? I mean, like her, the fact that they used her without her consent. That was. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah, that was awful. This is a whole scandal that I, yeah. I didn't know about. That was okay. terrible. Because we, we, both, we both like this movie. We do. Yeah. We do. All right. All right. 
Okay. So shattered. <laughs> uh, so no, I'm going to say we should do shattered visage next. The prisoner shattered visage by Dean Motter and Mark Asquith. It's a, a comic book. Originally four issues. Uh, now you know long long since available in trade. Don't know what we're going to well, do for for audio clips. Just like me, clips. long since available in trade. Okay. <laughs> six out of six. I got to give it up. Yeah. I don't want to encourage this, but yeah. But I respect jokes, Glenn. But they um, but clearly the throughout the uh, book they use the actual font uh, with the cutoff e, which is very important that they do that. Do you remember when the first time we we talked about this comic book on the the uh, sort of lost episode, the episode zero that may may still serve us in some form? Mm, probably but, shouldn't. Uh, yeah, okay, but we were we were so young, Glenn. We didn't even know the name Modified Albertus then. We just we just kept saying like the prisoner font, the prisoner font, prisoner uh, font. Like we didn't like even know. We were children. We were children of the of the of the of the, of the dales of the sun. Yes, we didn't know it. Right. Okay. So, uh, imminent, shattered visage, mm-hmm. soon, Braveheart, a time to kill, and basically. Fucking babe? We're going to do fucking babe? Is he in babe? You said he was the the babe, the secret of lost. Le- oh, babe, baby, secret of lost legend. Baby, no. the secret of lost legend. Okay. That, we're, not, we're not talking about babe, the George Miller talking well, pig. It should be, because that's a good yeah, movie. Yeah, uh, they're great, and, and pig in the city is even better, Glenn. It's even better, I know, and you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me either. So let's do it. We can do it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for us to do it. But we should definitely do Baby, Secret of Lost Legend, a film I've never seen. And I don't know I how much either. Patrick McGowan is. He's got to be in it more than he is in this fucking film. But in Silver Street, he's like the main villain. So Well, then we should do Silver Street. I suppose. All those wilder prior collaborations, I just that's a big, big blind spot for me. Yep. All right. All right. Let us know what you think, listeners. Anyway, get your copies of Shattered Visage and uh, be seeing you. Be seeing you. Absolute was conceived by Glenn Weldon and is produced by me, Chris Klemick. I wrote our silly little theme song, and I've never felt dumber saying that than when speaking over Purple Rain. No one should speak over Purple Rain, but I wrote the song, which was then arranged and beautifully performed by my dear friend Casey Aaron Clark, singing and playing keyboards, and her brother Jonathan Clark on guitar and percussion, with Marcus Newstead on bass. Find out more about Casey at CaseyAaronClark.com and or VitalVoiceTraining.com. Write to the Citizens Advice Bureau at a degree absolute at Gmail. Follow us on Twitter at not a number pod. And if you leave us a five star review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you use, along with your wildest prisoner take, we will read that take on a future episode. 
If it turns out as it may that Glenn and I need to go to a bi-weekly schedule over the coming few months, just know that that's for a good cause. We are working furiously on our treatment for a new grittier HBO reboot of The Phantom. Which suggests that like The Phantom is just going through like is a fuckboy, which I don't really believe The Phantom is a fuckboy. business. I really thought this was going to be a short episode. <laughs> I thought so too.